I would say this is a third and done, but now I'll watch this again someday and bitch about it on, on episode 248, whatever. How does this shit keep happening to you? No character is fleshed out other than Julian Anderson's nipples. Out of all of the movies in my Renee Zellweger box set, this one is not it. You know, I think I kind of have a boner for Ben Foster. I got hooked real quick, because shit gets weird. <laughs> I don't know, that should be funny, but that's hilarious. Um, Cov... Cov-fay-fay? Cov... Kafifi. Kafifi, yes. Koku. Kofifi. Ko. No, no, no. Kofifi. Okay. Kafifi. Yeah. Kafa. Kafifi. Kofafe. Kofafe. Kafufufifi. Kafifi? Kafifi. Fifi fa ko fa fa. All right, all right, you win. <laughs> uh, it's 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 actually kind of Groot talk, but way stupider, way stupider. <laughs> I'm Eric Warner, and I'm Eugene Weaver. Was... And how are we doing tonight, sir? Oh, good. After that, <laughs> <laughs> nothing nothing starts a pot outright like a bit of stupid talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, now prepare yourselves for about 90 more minutes of stupid talk. Yes. <laughs> Slightly more coherent, though. <laughs> we shall see. I think we make up about as many words as our illustrious president. Anyway, mm-hmm. we're not here to talk politics. Um, So how are you? How's it going? Good. Doing very well. Um, got lots of big stuff going on and big ideas and... <laughs> <laughs> It's too early. It's too early. <laughs> it is too early for that. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, you know, it's odd. I'm watching. No, I, actually, it's not odd. Um, I can just tell that my kids, they seem to be growing up like literally. And you hear so many parents talk like this. They, they're growing up before my eyes. Like I can tell they're able to stay up later and later. And it takes it out of me more and more to where I'm so tired. So I find myself like. I wake up early, and so I'm watching a lot of the movies that I like, like the bigger movies that I want to watch early in the morning. Okay. Um, and if I'm not working in the evening, then I'm taking care of kids and maybe maybe watching a half of a movie before I completely fall asleep. <laughs> I'm an old man. Yeah, so I understand. I'm, looking, I'm looking over my list, and there's, there's one that I'll let me talk about later tonight, and I watched the last hour of it at probably 6 o'clock in the morning. We'll get into that later. <laughs> awesome. I so. have been uh, on a TV kick, so I don't have a ton of stuff for recently watched, but enough to get get us through the episode. And uh, coming soon is going to be very interesting because it's now June, so mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff hit Netflix, and I'm going to be off on a tangent for a while. Anyway, that's for later in the show. Uh, let's be ready for the re- oh uh, Canadian Hunter. I'm back on. My, my flagship dog right here. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. Hit, I hit. Oh, wow. Oh, that's I'm, all right. I'm hitting up a Canadian club tonight, actually. Hmm. Uh, just for something different. Uh, it's. Yeah, I'm like, eh, it's, it tastes almost identical to all the others, but I'm like, eh, it's something different. Yeah. Why not? For, for four days until I. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, after my round of good stuff, I was like, oh, I, I got to get back to basics and yeah. stopped at a place. They didn't have the hunters. So I said, nope, I'm not going to settle. I'm going to go find. Oh, really? Yeah, I left and went and found me some hunter. Wow. So you actually went to a second location to get the bearded man and the dog. That's okay. right. <laughs> Excellent. The hearty drink of my people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, by the way, uh, listeners, I'm not sure if, you, if you'll be able to tell, but I can tell that uh, Eric's got a new mic, and I can definitely, like, now that we're really talking, I'm like, I can totally tell you've got, a, like, a different mic. Good. I, yeah. Yeah, so if, if there's some goofiness with the track this week, I uh, have some forgiveness because I'm, I got to learn how to edit a new track. So I don't know what problems may arise in positioning and yada, yada, but I think it's going to turn out well. And if not, it'll definitely be a step up from what I had. So yeah. anyway. Okay. Yay. Here, let's see if you can look what I found under my desk today. Fidget spinner. Oh, <laughs> the funny thing is, uh, this household doesn't have any fidget spinners, so I'm very curious where this came from. <laughs> was that an Addy thing, you think? No, no, it's probably neighbor kid or something. Mm. How it got under my desk, Lord knows. They were probably playing with it in the yard. Then one of my kids grabbed it, and then. Is it sad that the first thing I thought of was like that you were doing that with like a throwing Chinese star or something? Like... No, that just means you know me pretty well. I yeah, I think exactly. Like... Equal uh, probable probability <laughs> that I'd be doing that, but it doesn't help the, the amount of Twin Peaks that I've been watching that I looked under my desk and saw that and wasn't surprised. Like, yeah, uh, probably. Why not? Yeah, <laughs> it fell in here from another dimension. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on to the roulette, where we dive into the ocean of cinema and try to find those gems in the rough. And last week it was Ares up against Tag. And you are up first, sir. Please tell us about Tag. Tag, from 2015, directed by Sion Sono, I believe is how you pronounce his name, or it's close to that. Uh, the synopsis on IMDb as a girl's life cascades into chaos as everyone around her suffers a gruesome fate, while she herself becomes less and less certain of who she is and what kind of world she lives in. And um, this is complete, total Japanese weirdness and thumbs up. Nice. Um, it's not a complete gem in the, gem in the rough like uh, why, don't you, uh, why Don't You Play in Hell, which was his 2013 movie, which is fantastic. Uh, that one is about a film crew that becomes entangled with a Yakuza clan feud. It's so good. Uh, but this one here is just... Weird and short runtime and and as much as I liked where it was going, some of the CGI uh, gore kind of got like, come on, use real practical effects. This would have been so much better with real practical effects. But the the onslaught of action and violence and gore in the movie, uh, I can forgive it because it's so crazy. And then it actually comes around after after a bit. You're like. Oh, I'm going to have, have you seen it or did you? No, I didn't get around to it then. Okay. Twin Peaks. That's where I've been. Um, okay. Um, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, there's a couple points in here where I'd like to delve a little bit more into the plot, but that's kind of spoilery. Uh, especially because you're going to, I'm sure you're going to watch this very soon. Um, and there's a couple things that I, it took me a while to pick up on them. I'm like, Oh, and then by the end of the movie, you kind of figure out what's actually going on. It's really interesting and not as, I don't want to say exploitation, but not as... If you watch the trailer, you're thinking this is going to be a silly gore thing, but it actually turns out to actually have a, a, a meaning behind what you're seeing, and it's it's quite good. It's This is not really my type of thing, but 
I was with it the whole way through, and I'll probably watch it again. It was wow. It's that's just. A- for a Japanese or Korean thing, I think we kept calling it Japanese. It might be Korean. I'm not sure which it is, but for an Asian film, uh, yeah. that, that's a pretty high praise from you. It is. It, it's, it's just so, it's hard for me to explain because I don't want to spoil it. Yeah. Uh, cause there's a couple things on like, ooh, and this and this and this happened, but then I'm like, well, that's a pretty major plot point. But suffice to say, there is a lot of killing and a girl is involved in one way or another through all of this and, uh, I cannot say a whole lot more than that. <laughs> okay. Uh, other than it, it gets really, really out there in the end, but in a in a way that you're still with it. I guess that's all right. That's no, that's fine. I'm in. Kind of a shoddy review of it, but it's 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 a good movie. Um, and I think that I'll like it even more on second view now that I really know what what's going on right from the get go. I'll know what's going on. And it'll be even more interesting. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I'm I'm going to be bringing a review of that here probably in the next couple of weeks. Another solid roulette for me. I like that. Uh, over on my side, Ares. This is a French film. A futuristic France tries to keep its people from despair and rebellion over crippling poverty by engaging them with a violent TV competition show. And I said that, uh, watching the trailer, this is probably just going to be a fight movie like, what was that, Uncaged? I, was, I cannot remember the title of the uh, the prison fight movies. Um Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, I really liked the second one. Um, yeah, I did too. Un- Undisputed? Undisputed. I think that's yeah. what it was. Second or third I kept comparing it to that and saying that it'll probably just be that with a, some ships flying around in the background maybe for a bit, and it'll just be Mortal Kombat the whole time. I am very happy to report that I was very wrong about this movie, or at least my perception of it from the trailer. Uh, it kind of starts out in a way like that. They're getting... Uh, poor people to fight, and corporations bought up all of the... It's actually very progressive in a lot of the uh, plot points of it. Uh, corporations bought up a lot of the government's debt, and so the corporations pretty much run the world, and they have legalized drugs and stuff so that they can, like, soup up their fighters and put these fights on for entertainment. And everybody is so poor because they don't pay anybody enough money to live that um, people will sell parts of their bodies or their entire body for experimentation. Ooh, okay. So then the different companies compete for uh, to come up with the best drug to make you the instant best fighter. That, I mean, they literally, like, jack these guys up with needles right before, as part of prep for getting into the ring. And then they... That sounds really cool. And then they just beat the shit out of each other. You Sometimes till one dies. I mean, it, it's... Crazy. There, and there's only, like, maybe three fights in the whole movie. Anyway, this our main character guy is a low-level fighter, just trying to get by, just trying to survive and make enough money to, you know, live. And uh, it turns out that his particular blood type is the only blood type around that works with this brand new drug. It kills everybody else. But his blood type, for whatever reason, it's compatible. And so he gets roped into fighting for these big corporations or whatever. Or the big one that wants, I don't know, it wants to get this experimental drug out there. And it is, that's kind of like the first third or first half. I don't want to go too much more into everything else that happens because from there it, it deviates from being like just a fighting movie. And there's a whole plot of how they can got tricked him into accepting the, the drug and, and yada yada. And then he goes after everybody and it's 
awesome. I really enjoyed this movie all the way through. Ooh, I didn't nice. know where it was going and it kept me guessing all the way to the end. And I, and the ending was kind of a, a dark ending, but it worked very well for the film. And I gotta say, dude, you should check this one out. Uh, it was, it was really cool. And the futuristic stuff didn't look like super cheesy, low budgety. It, they used it here and there, but, it, and it was mostly background, but it worked. It looked fine. I had no problem with it. It, it didn't look like asylum y, you know? Yeah. Did it, uh, did it seem like they had a pretty big budget to work with? It seemed like they used whatever budget they had in all of the right ways. You okay. know, you could tell it was low budget, but they used it in all the right ways. That's the, just the best way to put it. It didn't bother me at all. Excellent. Oh, that's definitely one that I'll, it's in my queue actually right now. I was waiting to hear your review, and if it was positive, I was going to keep it in there. So obviously it stays in. Well, just hang with it for the first half, because it doesn't, it didn't go where I thought it was going to go at any rate. And I really enjoyed the story. Yeah, and as far as jumping back to Tag, like, I literally did not know where this thing was going to go uh, after the, uh, I'm just going to say it right now, the uh, that the bus, the school bus scene is, mm-hmm. that's right in the beginning. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm like, okay, now please don't don't make this, please don't make this a an hour hours worth of now nothing nothing happening, talking talking talking. No, 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 no. It's go 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 go. I like that. Is that the goriest scene in the movie? Um, oh, probably, but it's there's a lot of killing. Okay, so it's not just like that oh, scene no, happens no. and the rest of the movie is... There's, there's many, many scenes of of violence. Boy, if there's one thing that guy does, it's a great opening scene. Yeah. Watch the first two minutes of Suicide Club. Yeah, yep. And that Why Don't You Play in Hell, uh, that one there has got violence and bloodshed through the whole thing. Man, if you'd have Amazon Prime, that's where I watched uh, Why Don't You Play in Hell, and damn, is that a good movie. So. Uh, we're, we're planning on getting it here sometime in the future. I don't know how soon, but at some point there's all kinds of banging around going on out there. I don't know what's happening. May have to go deal with a kid at some point, but we got a good start anyway, the early. Yeah. All right. So two thumbs ups. All right. Yeah. Two thumbs up on a roulette. You can't, can't go wrong with that. I would love to hear your review of that Aries though. I quite enjoyed that movie. Uh, Okay. Next round. Okay. So for your roulette, this week, I'm, uh, I'm having a couple repeat roulettes thrown your way. First up is Detour. And I know that this was, uh, just put up on the roulette recently, but I felt the need to put it up once again because the, uh, the director, uh, is uh, actually as of right now, I've, I've liked almost everything that this guy has done. Um, and, uh, Detour, Looks to be pretty good. A young law student blindly enters into a pact with a man who offers to kill his stepfather, whom he feels is responsible for the accident that sent his mother into a coma. So uh, it doesn't quite sound like uh, his other movies, uh, but it sounds pretty good. So um, that's the first one. And I'm sure that one of us eventually will watch that one. Maybe you. Next up is another one that we've been volleying back and forth, and that is Mindhorn from 2016. This is a comedy, uh, a British comedy from director Sean uh, Foley, 
a has-been actor best known for playing the title character in the 80s detective series Mindhorn must work with the police when a serial killer says that he will only speak with Detective Mindhorn, whom he believes it to be a real person. The trailer looks really good, and I would have a strong hunch that this one here is going to be a fairly uh, a fairly safe pick, in my humble opinion. Last up is uh, a documentary. This one was just put on Netflix called They Called, um, titled They Call Us Monsters. And from 2016, hour and 22 minutes, uh, legislators debate legislation that allows for adult charges for juvenile offenders. And uh, I, I don't know what else to say about it. Uh, this, you know, it's only an hour and 20 minutes. It's a documentary and it sounds fairly interesting. Uh, it might be pretty heavy stuff, but it might be good. You just never know. It's That's why we have the roulette. So those are your three picks. And back to you. Okay, and for you, we have Masterminds. Four dim-witted Southerners pull off one of the biggest heists in American history, robbing $17 million from a armored truck. As a comedy movie, it looked pretty funny. Dig Two Graves, you threw my way last time, and I was kind of eh on it, but it still looked like maybe it was something, so I'll throw it to the horror guy. A girl's grief over her brother's tragic death uh, leads her to make a pact with Moonshiners, promising to bring him back to life for a steep price. And lastly, oh, I still have Death, Sh death Ship in here. Um, uh, What did I trade that with? Gargoyles. Gar was it 1972 yeah. made-for-TV movie, I do believe, is on YouTube? Yep. And I don't have the synopsis in front of me, but it's about gargoyles, so there you go. <laughs> it's actually, I did a little research on that one, and it actually is one of those relatively uh, positive reviewed movies from the 70s wow. TV movies. So Interesting. Well, there you go. You get okay. to pick first. Okay, um, I am going to pick the, uh, the Dig Two Graves thing. Um, Ted, you know Ted Levine is in that? I do. I watched the trailer and I was like, yeah. yeah. He's a good, he is a good actor. Uh, not on him. I'm saying on the movie I itself. I was, yeah, that's yeah. a roulette. That could that's be one roulette. within five minutes here. I know. I'm picking it because of him. I am, honestly. I just, he's got enough change with me where I'm like, you know, I'm hoping that he still picks good roles and so we shall see. But I'm like, yeah, of all those gargoyles, they all three would be ones that I would watch. Masterminds, that one didn't do so hot, and I kind of recall that one being bumped when it was theatrical. I really, I kind of remember that one having a bump release dates, and that's never a good sign. So hmm, I don't know. You're more the comedy movie guy anyway. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's Galifianakis and yeah, and Kristen Wiig in it, I believe. Uh, all right, all right. So, anyway, okay. For me, I will take Detour. Oh. That, why not? The trailer for that looked pretty, looked better than I thought it was going to be, and it didn't look like what I assumed it was. So I'll give that one a spin. Have you watched all of his movies? That uh, director Christopher Smith. No. What else has he done? Uh, Christopher Smith also did uh, 
Severance, which is great. Triangle, which is great. Oh. Creep, which, hmm. yeah, he did Creep. No, not not the newer Creep uh, that's on Netflix, but a uh, movie from 2004 about the Subway. Uh, yes, I love. I own that movie. That's a good movie. And Black Death, which was good, but so heavy and depressing that I've only watched it once. Yeah, I, I think I, Sean Bean was in that one, I believe. Yeah, and Severance. Eh, I, I didn't like it as much as you did, but it still was competently made, so oh, I'll give it yeah. a shot. We'll see. Excellent. All right. That's, there you have it. That's the roulette this week. Next week, it will be Detour up against Dig Two Graves, and we will report back. Uh, on to the rabbit trail, which I'm so excited about tonight, because I've been thinking about this a lot. Was We were talking about Alien 3 a week or two ago, and uh, how we liked it, and how it went against the sequel playbook, yada yada and how hard it would be to follow up James Cameron's Aliens, which made me think... (laughs) And so I bring the pitch to you for the rabbit trail this week. It's 1988. It's time for another Alien sequel. It's been two years since Aliens. Uh, Last year, Predator came out, and so now it's time to get the ball rolling for another sequel. Pitch me your Alien 3. Okay, so I have two versions. Version one I was happy with, and then, of course, my my brain starts going full speed, and I'm like, oh, but what about this? This might be cool, too. So I'm going to throw you version one, and version two is not near as long, but I just I had to get it on paper. No, go for it. I had to write it down just so I'm like, that could be cool, too. So this is just literally off the top of my head. It might be ridiculous, but... Whatever. So, Alien 3. Uh, Ripley, Newt, and Hicks are rescued, and once the investigation is complete, complete for what happened to the colonists, um, they kind of go about their relationship kind of, uh, as they, you know, as they had started in Aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, they are relocated to a gigantic space station that is hovering above Earth. And I mean a huge, almost like a, not Death Star sized planet thing, but like a, a huge space station. Right, I got you. Uh, um, meanwhile, um, what they don't know is that there was an egg stored on the escape pod, like we actually saw in Fincher's Alien 3, uh, that the company has acquired and stored away. So the alien, the egg did not hatch. Uh, they stored it away to experiment on. Uh, so, that and that egg is on the space station above Earth. They begin uh, to mass produce the eggs to make their own xenomorphs in a uh, warehouse lab type place. Um, and how they do that is, to experiment is they're using the uh, inmates from violent, uh, violence infested Earth, ravaged Earth. They're using inmates that are deemed too violent for anything but execution. Well. Here we go. Here's our here's our guinea pigs. Um, so similar to Resurrection. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, as usual, things don't go as planned, and several inmates escape before having face huggers attached to them. Uh, and one thing leads to another, and uh, an outbreak of aliens begins, and they start running rampant through this huge space station above Earth. Um, it's fairly well protected, but still, you know, the aliens, they have their way of getting out. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're slowly but surely just spreading through the whole complex. Um, 
Hicks is still serving in the quote-unquote military, and because he knows how to fight them, he is tasked with uh, immediately signing up and uh, taking on the aliens. Ripley and Newt, they say, don't do this. Um, but he says, I have to, this is my job. Uh, I know you're going to get killed, blah, blah, blah. Let's, no, let's, let's get off of this ship and let everybody get off the ship and let's blow this thing to kingdom come. No, we can't do that because Nostromo, you know, we can't do mm-hmm. that. So anyway, um, um, one thing leads to another, the battle commences and it would be a bit different than the battle, the marine battles that take place in aliens because we don't want really to do the same thing. Um, right. But but Ripley does get word that Hicks has been presumed killed in a very poorly led battle, and she is to be shuttled off of the station with Newt and the rest of the survivors. Um, so um, she is trying to get out of there, uh, or they're trying to shuffle her off. Um, uh, let me just see here if I get this right. Some of this you may have to cut out. No, that's all right. Take your time. Okay. So she gets word. Okay. So she gets word that Hicks is. Presumed dead, but she doesn't believe it, so she's like, no, I'm going to turn into, you know, alpha female, you know, Eleanor Ripley, I'm going to kick ass, but the the company, which is, we all know Waylon, yeah. um, they say, no, you're out of here with the rest of them, um, and they're actually going to, they're planning on wiping out everybody because they don't want another mess, so they're going to kill everybody. Um, however, this is... This is Ripley, so she finds her way. They're actually on a ship, and they have exited the space station. But this being an alien movie, she finds a way to head back to the facility and in a huge action scene where she crashed onto the space station. Oh, um, nice. And, and now she's got guns blazing. She's ready to rock and roll. Um um, Newt does wait for her in the ship. I will say that. Um, she does discover Hicks is still alive, uh, but badly injured, along with some other ragtag uh, Marines and some inmates as well. And um, her and the rest of them are able to do some more battle with the alien horde. Um, they do escape, and we are led to believe that um, as they leave, the space, space station is blowing up, but... Um, I haven't, I, and I wasn't sure how to do it, but I wanted to insinuate that there were, there was something that heads to Earth as a, things are going to possibly take place on yeah. planet Earth. Well, parts of part the four. space station could be breaking up and falling down there. Yes. Yeah. There you go. So, so not all the aliens are dead. Like the way it blows up, there's pieces that are falling to Earth. Um, so the end roll credits, post credits scene. <laughs> He's marvelizing this shit. <laughs> yes, from outer space, a ship approaches, uh, and it's an engineer ship. Oh. And, uh, yes, so I put down here, maybe, maybe not, we actually get a look inside the ship where we see engineers that are prepared for battle, also known as wiping out everything. And so there's my... Interesting. Yeah, that was my first take, um... Do you want to hear my second take real yeah, quick? Yeah, sure. Go for it. Okay. Uh, version 2 is a lot shorter. I didn't flesh it out quite as much as version 1. Version 2 is a skate pod floating through space, and upon entering a planet's atmosphere by accident, the ship splits into one half with Ripley and Newt, and the other with Hicks. Both sections land far apart from each other. Newt wakes up as her half of the ship is sinking in water. She's able to save Ripley in time. Hicks wakes up in his pod and goes on the hunt for his companions. Meanwhile, an egg that was stashed on board hatches, 
when the planet's indigenous race investigates the crash after Hicks has taken off. Um, these beings are very tall, almost like giants, almost like engineers, but not quite. Hicks is captured and must fight his way out of uh, this village of these huge beings. Um, uh, he finds out that this race has been contaminated with the alien species. Um, there's one, one rogue, uh, I guess, kind of engineer, but not, um, that does decide to help Nick, uh, help Nick's, that does decide to help Hicks escape, and together they find Ripley. So now it's alien creature guy, uh, Hicks, Ripley, Newt, and, um, it's too late for the rest of the beings on that. Yeah, I gotcha. That, that area. Uh, now it's up to them to battle their way out of the alien horde that is, um, continually regenerating. And, and because, uh, these are huge beings, the aliens themselves are a lot bigger and meaner and they look not like what we're used to. Yeah. The xenomorphs that we're used to, they're a lot huge, yeah. almost not predator type, but bigger. Um, they still get the best of the aliens, of course, and, uh, we end with uh, Wayland rescuing them. So the corporation comes in and rescues them. Um, but of course, uh, and we think that everything is destroyed, but they, of course, they actually, this, I wasn't sure how to keep the series going. So I said that they actually take a face hugger carcass with them. And uh, that face hugger, they would be able to reproduce somehow. Reproduce yeah. somehow, yes. So there's still a way to keep it going. And then I said another post credit scene of somehow tie in the engineers as well. I liked the trying to bring in the yeah. Space I didn't think I didn't thing. think about the engineers. That was an oversight on my part. Anyway, so there's there's my two. I, I have loved. Oh, that was great. Right yeah, it's fun. <laughs> oh, the more I so. thought about this, because I was like, how would I do it? Because that problem we keep coming back to. How do you just the sequel playbook says you go bigger, batter with each one. So we're we going to make them fight yeah. a thousand aliens now. That would be ridiculous. Or they get loose on earth. And we know how that looked in aliens versus predator requiem. It's kind of ridiculous, yeah. but yeah, I thought I finally found a loophole. And also you're dragging around what eight, eight to 10 year old newt the whole time trying to protect mm-hmm. her. But I think I found a way to deal with all of the problems I complained about. <laughs> okay. All right, now, are you ready? I am. I'm very curious what you came up with. All right, now, we're at the end of Aliens. Let's recap the end of Aliens here. You got Newt, Hicks, and Ripley, and they are getting into their stasis pods for their return trip to Earth. That's where they're headed. Beginning of Maya Alien 3, we fade in the interior of the Sulaco. Three people asleep in stasis pods. Alarm bells and flashing lights go off. Jump to a computer screen flashing emergency and... Waking, commanding officer. Jump to the side of a pod with the words Lieutenant Gorman. The lid opens. Newt emerges, groggy and confused. She doesn't know how to open the other pods, so she runs to the bridge. And outside we see another ship that has latched onto the Sulaco. It does not look friendly or human. Newt runs back to the pods and stops in her tracks, staring at something off-screen. When we don't see it, but we hear a familiar noise. (laughs) She screams, fade out. Title card, ten years later. 
fade in on Ripley and Hicks, still in stasis pods, but in new, strange-looking containment pods, now located in a dark cargo hold. Overhead lights flicker on, revealing shipping containers and junk scattered about. A young woman, about 18 to 20 years old, dressed in tight rags, with blood running from her mouth and nose, steps between the two and presses a few buttons. They emerge from stasis, disoriented, and the young woman helps them. Ripley says, Where are we, and who are you? And she says, I am Newt. Played by, at the time, 1988-1989, that would have been an 18-20 to year old Kate Blanchett. Why not? Because she pretty much kicks ass, and uh, Ripley looks in unbelief, non-belief, unbelief. Newt helps them to their feet and says they have to move. She says they're on a hunter ship. She's bleeding because she just won their freedom by beating one of their kind in hand-to-hand combat. They are to be released with a handful of other humans kidnapped over the years, but it's not all good news. They are strapped into a small jump ship with a, with a large cargo container, snarls and roars coming from within the container. The Predators drop them on a hunter planet in the jungle with three aliens spawned from unknown other life forms. Their fate will be their own, and they are to be entertainment for the Predators. We don't see any of the Predators until this point of the film, which I would say is about a third or more, you know, maybe closer to halfway. After they li- land, they decide, fuck the aliens, let's just run. Because they're, you know, they're in a jungle, but whatever. Let's just screw those three aliens. After getting to, and you know, the other humans can be used as fodder. Yeah. After getting to a high point, they see a city in the distance. But it's not just any city. They've been dumped on Earth. So if they don't kill the aliens now, eventually they could wipe out every human on Earth. So they prepare for war. Ah, and that, then you can kind of figure out the jumps of how the rest of the movie is going to go. They've got to get these three aliens in this jungle setting, and now they have Newt as a 20-year-old badass warrior chick who's been raised by the... I was thinking a lot of this old a- AVP series called War. that It was like a four-issue arc, and they had kidnapped this girl, the Predators did, and just kept her on their ship and kind of smacked her around a lot. She was basically a servant until they taught her enough, like, she learned their ways enough that, oh, only strength is respected. So she would fight and fight and fight and constantly get her ass kicked until one day she actually was badass enough to beat one of them, like, broke his arm and, you know, they considered it a win. And then she got dumped on a planet with a bunch of Marines that happened to be there for some other reason, and they were seeding the planet with eggs, and there were aliens coming out of monkeys. It was, in, it's an awesome four-issue arc. Um, but I took, I was kind of bar combining that into it. But now, you know, you've got Newt, Hicks, and Ripley, and Newt is now like 20 years old. They've just been in stasis for 20 years. Why not? So that Ripley was in stasis for what, 60 years between Alien 1 and yeah. 2? So 10 years, that's nothing. And now you don't have to drag the little kid Newt around, and she's a badass on top of it. I like that yeah. a lot. That's, that's a, a great way to, yeah, to get rid of the kid actor and have, Exactly yeah. what you said. Like, what do we do? What do we do with a child actor that can't defend herself from these things that good? And then I have a couple other notes here with the ending. Tempted to have Newt sacrifice herself at the end for Ripley and say, "You saved me, now I saved you." The way that you know, because Ripley really, she really owes Ripley. <laughs> yeah. Um. But that's a bit dark, considering that Ripley already lost one daughter. So 
maybe mm-hmm. just to have her lose an arm or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> keeping the series going is very doesn't, doesn't oh it keeps the series going. Doesn't play by a sequel playbook. Eliminates Child Newt and would be a great setup for future AVP movies. And think this would have come out a couple of years after Predator. So it could have easily just slipped right in that spot. Now, at the time, they weren't combining movies like that. I understand that. This is all just a complete flight of fancy. But <laughs> yeah. nonetheless, I, I still think I still would really like to see that Alien 3, too, <laughs> as well. Oh, yeah. And we neither of us. I was wondering if you were going to have uh, Bishop in any of your plot points, because I thought about like how do I shoehorn Bishop in there, the, the banged up Bishop, but I'm like, eh. yeah, they did it in three, and it was still like, oh, we're going back to Bishop again. I, even in three, I'm like, yeah, but uh, yeah, and I, I again, I had a whole, I started writing dialogue, and I'm like, I don't need to do this much, you know, because Ripley's gonna ask, <laughs> what, why aren't we on the Sulaco? It's like, well, they, cra- they were grabbing it for um, salvage or parts or whatever. It's gone. It doesn't even exist anymore. And they were kept you in stasis to as a leverage over me to raise me. How you know? Yeah. Like, there's a million ways yeah. you could go with that. Yeah, I like these. These are good ideas. I think I do too. I like your. I think I like your second one a little better than the first one. Oh really? Was it just a little bit? Uh... Well, just because they that it was similar to Resurrection. And uh, I, somebody else was talking about it on a podcast. Sorry, I can't remember who it was. About aliens getting loose on Earth, and we all thought how cool that would be, and then what it actually looked like, and it looked like crap. Yeah. Um, now, granted, um, I I didn't go th- like yeah, I, I know, I it, know you didn't, but yeah. I'm I'm just saying it it made me rethink that idea of more, 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 have more yeah. of them in a wider open space, and it's more cool to have it contained. For the most yeah. part, but it's it's tricky to constantly be putting Ripley in the series er, in the in situations where it's it's diehard. It's yes. how does this shit keep happening to you? <laughs> yes, but yeah, um, I really liked the idea of they're in a jungle similar to the Predator situation, and then you know you could even have the Predators come back and blow the aliens away at the last minute or so. I, what? Who yeah. knows? Yeah, and I even thought you know because I wouldn't be coming up with part four, but thinking well. You could almost come up with part four. The beginning of of that one would be kind of like Titan AE. We begin with the planet Earth completely blowing up into oblivion. I like it. And now the movie. And now the movie yeah. starts. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, that was fun. And I at the very end of uh, of my first synopsis, that's when I was like, ooh, you know what? How do we do a little zinger where it's like we are kind of tying in that space jockey thing. Um, and no, would that be was good. I should have considered working the engineers in somehow. I didn't even think about that. That was, yeah, that was dumb of me. And for some reason, like, when I was writing this, I'm like, don't be the uh, Guy Pierce uh, movie from France. Don't be that. Try not to be that where it's the inmates are... Ro- run, are oh, lock, take- lockout or something? Yeah, something like, yes. Yeah, because I kept on thinking, don't be that, but I'm like, because it's like, it's the prisoners are overrunning the whole space station thing, and mm-hmm. uh, we've got the soldier that's trying to get, uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> that was fun. And having said that, I just watched Alien 3 again, and it's still a good movie. It I is. Think. We talked about it. It is. We both yeah. like it. We both defend it for, you know, being something different and going against type, but at the same time, it really wasn't what anybody wanted at that time. No, no. And how many, what year did that come out? 
1990? I thought it was 90s. maybe. I don't, wasn't yeah. it early 90s? Yeah, it was, yes. Boy, they really took their time in between sequels back then. They, that's yeah. not so much anymore. Yeah, and then what? Uh, Resurrection was 97, so there was another good five-year break at least. Well, they had some to do damage control after yeah. Alien Cubed. Yeah. When was the last time you watched the theatrical version of Alien 3? Oh, I don't know. After I saw the producer's cut, I'm never going back. Yeah, me too. There's no reason. I don't, I don't, like, it's hard for me to actually think of Alien 3 without those scenes, much like Aliens. I, like, it's, it's the director's cut. That's the only, only version I will watch at this point of Alien. Yeah, same here, and I don't even remember of Alien 3, the theatrical cut. I'm not, I'm not sure I even remember how the, some of those scenes went. Like, the, it was a dog instead of an ox, right? Yes, yes, it I was. don't even... No, it's yeah. an ox to me. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Well, and I remember, the, our, like, everybody is like has shaved heads, so you can't really tell anybody apart. But in, at least in the producer's cut, there's a little bit more character beats going on, and so you actually you can tell the people apart a lot better in that. And I even think of uh, the Thing remake, reboot, prequel, whatever. It's like, they they look different, but I can't tell anybody apart in that movie. Whereas even at least Alien 3, I'm like, okay, I I can tell a lot of you guys apart, and I know who's who for the most part, even though you, you all have drab green clothes and shaved yeah. heads. And then the Thing prequel, so. it was all giant overcoats and beards. Yep, and the girl. That the end. So Yep. Anyway. All right. Now she yeah. So anyway, yeah. So I I think that these would be good. I do too. And uh audience, ladies and gentlemen, please tell us your Alien 3 pitch. Lay it on us. Drop some paragraphs on the Facebook page. Or hit us up in an email or something. We will read them on the show. I would love to hear your pitch of how you get around sequelitis for Alien 3. Because for all the bitching I hear about Alien 3 that was, how could you kill off Newton Hicks and yada yada? Okay, give me your pitch. Tell me what you would have done that would have been different and not just derivative of the first two. That is such such a brutally hard thing to do for a sequential, um, maybe that's not the right word, but film series that, you know, like, um, it's easy to know what they're going to do in Die Hard 17. Yeah. (sighs) But what what are you going to do here that's different? Anyway, and and for what it's worth, it, they did something different. I think. I mean, granted, it was a little bit more like the original Alien. With here's the group of people; they're in an enclosed environment and minimal weapons, and they're getting killed off. But they they did. It was different. I think. I agree. Okay, are you ready for recently watched? Yes. Well, then you get to go first. <laughs> Since oh, I've been watching nice. TV, which doesn't leave a lot of room for movies. Okay. Go for it, sir. Go, go do a do a double, triple, do whatever you want. <laughs> okay, uh, let's go with uh, we had was it last episode or the episode before this movie got brought up, and I of course I'm like, well, now I have to watch it, and that would be Pandorum from 2009. I rewatched that. Damn it! I, I it. <laughs> whenever we mentioned it, I was like, I gotta watch. I gotta watch that again. I haven't watched it, but I'm going to soon. Did you see this in the theater or not? Yes, I, I, did, I did. Because okay. it was too dark. I think we saw it together, maybe. We possibly did. Yeah, and it was too dark. Um, upon a rewatch this time, this is from a director named Christian uh, Albert, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. Um, this movie is fantastic. 
Uh, this is by far my favorite viewing of this movie. It is kind of a, a little bit of Event Horizon and a lot of Alien, I guess. Smushed together. It's tense. It's almost two hours, and I'm never bored in that movie. Uh, the acting is great. Uh, I, you know, watching the movie, I'm like, you know, I think I kind of have a boner for Ben Foster at this point. I, 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 I like him. Uh, no, no, weird no, way. no. That is not like. You don't get a boner for somebody and call it like. Oh, he's so good in this movie. He's good in every single movie that he is in. I he think. is, but he is too good at being a piece of shit scumbag. So when he's being a piece of shit scumbag, I'm almost like, ah, oh, it's hard to even like you. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So when he's playing a sympathetic role or a main, you know, a good guy role like this one, I love him to death too. Yeah, he was so good in this because I, I was rooting for him and his companions the whole way through. But man, I don't know what the, well, I guess I could find out what the budget was for this movie. It Okay, budget was $33 million and rightly so. It felt like a really big budget movie. How is that possible? How is it that this thing can cost $33 million and I totally feel like I'm inside a spaceship in space or wherever and there's mutants everywhere and I don't feel like I'm in a warehouse on Fifth no. Street. But But I can watch... Oh, that's so frustrating. I can watch some of these other movies that have twice the budget, and I'm, it, it just looks like garbage. Yeah, it does. And here, you're right. I was like, I feel like I am in a spaceship. I don't want to spoil the ending, because the ending of this movie is so good. It's such a great ending, and it makes the movie, in my opinion. And it ties everything together with what's going on so well, which is basically people are going crazy on this spaceship that is supposed to be on a mission to repopulate uh, another planet because Earth is done. Um, but the Oh, and I wanted to say, um, it actually even has a little tiny bit of Ghosts of Mars in there as well, I think. <laughs> oh, uh, I know. Yeah, don't with, bring uh, that movie up. <laughs> I know. But I want machine guns and ice cube and things. Uh, <laughs> I saw... I saw that movie mentioned the other day for something random, and I was like, Eugene liked that movie on the... the my... my I liked that movie the first time I saw it, and every repeat viewing, I'm like, this is a piece of shit. And Eugene hated it the first time, and the more he watches it, he's like, I kind of like this movie. Yeah, I'm like, oh, trains going through Mars, I think, maybe. and Long conversations and fade-ins and outs of past yeah. and present and future, and huh? Ice Cube, and yeah, and just the Golden Uzis. It's, it's the Golden Uzis movie. I forgot about the Golden Uzis. Oh, but, but the mutant things and all. In the movie, reminded me a bit of they were way cool. Yeah. In this. And on my sound system, those creatures, like whenever they would start their screams, it was like almost too loud, and it would make me jump every time. I'm like, damn it, that's so loud. Yeah, uh, in a in a good way. But it, man, it was a good good movie. I highly recommend if you're into actiony science fiction. The Blu-ray, be clear, we're recommending yes. the Blu-ray. Yes. Because it is a dark movie, but on Blu-ray, it looks and sounds fantastic. Yep. Uh, huge thumbs up. I I was hard-pressed not to give this movie a four and a half out of five. Because I, I, when it was done, I'm like, I, there's so little that I can find fault in this movie with at this point. But uh, anyway, anyway, moving on to well, the let, director's other... Hold on, let me touch on Pandorum a little bit more. Uh, yes. It did suffer that dark problem... The same, and we've talked about that before with AVP Requiem. And yes. you and I like that movie, but we fully admit it's a piece of shit. I do want to say something about AVP Requiem because since, um, 
what was the last Covenant came out. Everybody's re-reviewing all of the movies in the Alien Predator series, whatever. And everybody keeps saying about, oh, it was so dark, it's so dark, it's so dark. One of my buddies met with, one of my buddies online met with the uh, effects guy on that movie. Who was that? Oh. On AVP Requiem? Yes, it was somebody that we talked about many times. Hmm, I'm not sure. I'll look that up real quick. But okay. he he ran into him at a convention, or went to meet, meet him on purpose, whatever the case may be, and asked him about that, and he said that that movie was shot on film and printed wrong. Oh, really? Which created the darkness. That was not a style choice. It was an incorrect printing of the film, and that's what went out. Wow. No kidding. I didn't know that. Right. So then we get it on Blu-ray, and it looks a lot better. It's still dark, but it's not nearly as bad as it was in the theater. In theater, it just looked like two action figures. Yes, I remember that. Huh? What? I can't even see what's happening. But... At, uh, when we got it on Blu-ray, then it was like, wow, okay, much better. And maybe they just lightened it up with digital effects. Who knows? Oh, who did the digital fix on that? I want to, it wasn't Rob Bottin. It was, uh, one of Stan Winston's protégés, I think. It was founded, okay, so, oh. Uh, it was founded in 19, uh, Amalgamated Dynamics was founded in 1988 by Stan Winston, alumni Tom Woodruff Jr. and Alec Gillis. It was, it was one of those two. Okay. It was one of those that, two, I'm pretty sure. I'm think, I'm, ah, uh, I, I, don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure it was one of those two and they, whatever, it was a major name. And he told him face to face that that movie was printed wrong. Damn, that's crazy. Well, if it's true, I mean, who knows? I don't, whatever. That's, yeah. I overheard from my, my friend on the internet. Anyway. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Now, uh, to quick rabbit trail off of that, uh, there have been other movies that have got botched jobs like that. Uh, I know that Eli Roth's Hostel 2, uh, the Sony Blu-ray release, is completely off. And uh, I've watched it numerous times, and it is. It is way grossly oversaturated, and I'm not sure what happened because I saw it in the theater, and it was not that. Uh, and, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Hatchet Part 2. Uh, I wasn't one of uh, Adam Green. Adam Green, one of in one of his podcasts, he did mention that uh, it, it bothers him so much that the Blu-ray release of Hatchet Two looks like overly digitized shot on video. And it does, like, and he's like, it's not. He's like, the few days that it was released in theaters, that's how it's supposed to look. He's like, it does, it looks like film. He's like, this does not look like film. The release that is on Blu-ray. So he's like. That's not the way it's supposed to look. And that sucks when a filmmaker's vision is not followed through on because it, it suffers. Hostel 2 looks weird and Hatchet 2 very much looks like it's high end video. Well, that's the shitty part about making movies is that it depends on so many people all having the same vision or talent or whatever that if yeah. one cog in the wheel isn't quite right, then it can, a whole thing can be destroyed. And it's not necessarily that that person's fault per se, but it's yeah. like, <sighs> that was one of the reasons why after we made our three short films or whatever, it was like, you know what? I'm good. I, I, yeah. I, I would like to just write a script and give it to somebody. And then when they fuck it all up, I can just say, that's not how I envisioned it. And I can move on. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. It is unfortunate though, that I, and a lot of these movies are small, like the movies we're talking about now, they're smaller movies. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not like it's a huge blockbuster movie that oh, we screwed up. The next release is going to be perfect. It's, you know, I can't really see them. Going back and saying, okay, Hostel, or Hostel 2 and Hatchet 2, we're going to really make these 
exactly what the director intended. Well, I, or obviously, like AVP Requiem, they're going to look at that yeah. movie and go, "No, you're you go, just go." And w- something smaller like Pandorum, they're going to be like, "Well, we're going to get our horror crowd for a week or two, and then that's going to be that." So it doesn't matter. It's yeah. not like we're going to put a fifty million dollar campaign behind it to say, oh, hold on, here's a better version of it or whatever, you know, you, I don't know what you could possibly do to rectify that situation, but they're not going to do it. They're just going to get their bucks on the first couple weekends and call it a day. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because Pandorum is a true gem in the rough. I I forgot how good that movie is. We both, well, I completely changed my mind when I watched that on Blu-ray and then you, you know what? I remember now you borrowed my Blu-ray. I forced you to borrow my Blu-ray and rewatch that movie. I remember (laughs) it. Yeah. And well, and you took me into Requiem as well. You're like, dude, you really should watch that again. You let me borrow your (laughs) Blu-ray and I'm like, Oh damn, I need to buy this. This is, this is craziness. Yeah. It's a bummer when, when something, well, it's a bummer, but at the same time, I think back to the eighties when I would see a trailer for a movie on TV and I would go, yes. And I would get so excited back to the future two. We're getting a back to the future two. And I would go running around the house screaming and cheering and being so happy. Not because I'm going to go see it in the theater when it comes out, but because I only have to wait two years for it to come to TV <laughs> and then I can watch it once. <laughs> yes, yeah, on network television, full screen with commercials edited. Yes, yes, because I didn't even have a VCR at the time. So yeah. that was, uh, I'm not going to complain about this being fixed. I, I, I'm i very happy that I own Pandorum on Blu-ray and it's fixed. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. But but I, I do agree with you. When I did see it in the theater, I remember it, it was oppressively dark to where it's like, I can't even see the creatures that are in this movie. Well, the Blu-ray remedies that. The Blu-ray looks fantastic of that movie. And, uh, it, it, and part of that too at the time was, uh, we were, there was big controversy with us, well, film dorks, because the 3D was becoming a bigger thing and more and more theaters were turning their bulbs down. And it, so if you equate that into this situation, holy God, good luck seeing anything. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, sorry. Anyway. Next movie. Well, do you, do you want me to keep going or oh. you can go ahead, do another one? Okay, I want to wrap up real quick this, uh, the director's other movie that I watched because of Pandorum. I'm like, maybe this other one is better than I remember. Eh, it's not awful. And that would be Case 39. And, uh, this movie came out right around the, uh, very close, uh, to Pandorum as well. Um, I believe that this was shot before Pandorum. Uh, have you seen this movie? No, uh, wasn't this a roulette? No, this is the one with uh, Renee Zellweger. Yeah, I know, but I thought it was a roulette. Maybe no. no. I have it, right. I have it on Blu-ray. <laughs> of course, of course so it's I great. do. It's great. Yes. <laughs> uh, but Ian McShane's in it, Bradley Cooper, and I'm like, I've watched it three times now, and every time I watch it, I'm like, mm, uh, there's a good idea in there and a great ending, but boy, she is grossly miscast in this movie. Uh, you're like, boy, uh, out of all of the movies in my R- Renee Zellweger box set, I, I just, this I, one is not it. I, it's <laughs> not it. The other ones, thumbs up. Total thumbs up. <laughs> uh, but there is a good, there's a seed of a good idea in here, which is this uh, social worker uh, rescues this girl from her abusive parents. And as the movie goes on, it turns out this girl is not all what she seems. She's actually fairly crazy. And is able to convince those around her to do awful things to other people or herself. 
or um, themselves. Um, it's too long. It's actually the same running time as Pandorum, but where that movie is snappy and keeps going, this one here, it, it, it should have been 85 minutes, if that, and then it would have been better. The little girl is obnoxious to a fault, and she's been in some other stuff. Um, I want to know what she's uh, been in. So uh, her name is Jodell Furland. Um, she was in, oh, she was in A Cabin in the Woods? A Cabin in the Woods? No shit, she was in that. Wow, she's growing up. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> I can't believe that that's her. No, I she like could, that you went from fuck this kid actor to I like you, maybe. Yeah, no, she was, because I'm looking at her picture now, and I'm like, oh, yes, that's right, she was in Kevin in the Woods. She's really good, but in here, and, and I'm sure it's the way her character is written, and the, the performance that she gives is fine, but I just, I she was that obnoxious kid actor, and not in a good way like, the child actor from uh, the Omen, the early Omen movies, or even the remake Omen movie. I thought that kid actor did pretty good, but I just thought that she was annoying in this. But well, the un- the un- Zell- like you said, the unfortunate part of that is that it's usually the way that character is written. That's usually mm-hmm. they're they're just reading yeah. their lines and doing what they're told. Scream now, cry more, and yes, yeah. usually by people I I assume that don't have kids. <laughs> Exactly. Yes. But Renee Zellweger, she's kind of go, sort of got a relationship with Bradley Cooper, which is, it's so forced and unrealistic. I'm like, no, no, sorry, Renee, but, uh, no, not, not, <laughs> no. Um, having said that, wrapping things up with this review, there's a couple of pretty cool scenes in it, and I did genuinely enjoy the ending and the, kind of where they went with it. It's not just your typical crazy kid. They actually really, go all out towards the end. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. But um, I would say this is a third and done, but no, I'll watch this again someday and bitch about it on, on episode 248, whatever. Third and done. Yeah. <laughs> you just, okay. you're, you're, you're that guy from that Tom Hanks movie, just lashing yourself over the back. I'm going oh, yes. to like this shit eventually. Damn it. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and, and when the movie started, I'm like, you know, maybe Catherine Zellweger is actually again not as bad with as the Catherine. Back. We did this last episode, and now you're back to Catherine <laughs> Zellweger. Oh, it's Renee. <laughs> we did this last week. I know we did, and it's, it wasn't funny then, and it's probably less. Oh, funny it now. was pretty funny last week. <laughs> <laughs> At least for me, this I was does, like, oh, don't worry, I'll cut it. And left it all in. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll save you from this. Uh, Case 39 Please. sucks. Eugene will review it again in about a year. Okay. Yes. Back to you. Twin Peaks Season 1. I'm going through this show because everybody's talking about the Season 3 that's just been released. And <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I hear people talk about it all the time. You know what? It's time for me to dive on it because it's, it's older Lynch, which I tend to prefer to newer Lynch. Why not? Season 1. Very much enjoyed. Now, I will admit, most of this I'm watching kind of background while I'm working in the office. So, I'm not sitting there, full attention, completely enamored with every frame. If you go and watch it that way, maybe you'll be bored, I don't know, because it is a TV show of, you know, 20-some episodes per season. But, for season one, I quite enjoyed it. I was surprised how much I actually did enjoy it, because I was thinking it was going to be Really, really weirdy Lynch and and uh, some murder and it's going to be confusing and then it's never going to pay off. But each episode 
is very entertaining. Dale Cooper, Kyle McLaughlin character just saves it all. He is fantastic in this show. He is the grounded basis that keeps it all together. He sees the supernatural and, and the, the normal and he just kind of mushes them together and let's do an investigation, investigation to find out who killed Laura Palmer. I love that he is not dismissive of all of the, the fucking weird shit in this movie. Here's a lady carrying around a log. Who's that? That's the log lady. Okay. She comes over and says, do you want to speak to the log? He says, I don't know. Maybe. Well, the log wants to speak to me. Okay. What is it saying? Oh, it says some random vague stuff. And uh, okay. Well, I will just assimilate that into my ongoing investigation in case anything comes up, you know, that matches that. I'll keep that in mind and have a wonderful day. And off they go. And everybody just carries on like nothing happened. I like that. This is the Lynch that works for me, and he still is doing a lot of strange stuff like having weird sounds in the background when you're in certain uh, storyline subplots. There's a foghorn in the background. Okay. You can barely hear it, but it's there. And it's, it's off-putting and unsettling, and you can barely hear it, but it's there. Yeah. Like, a couple of times I'm like, is, am I hearing it? Is it just my TV? Is it my old crappy TV? Nope, it's not. That's it, it. There's weird sounds in the background. Anyway, every episode kind Ooh. of ends on a cliffhanger, but in a good way, because the whole episode paid off. There's progress with each episode. This is the, the shit that pisses me off that I've complained about with Walking Dead and Breaking Bad, where the opening is awesome. There's 45 minutes of nothing and then a cliffhanger something little at the end where I'm like, Oh, what's going to happen next? I can't wait to find out. And then you go to the next episode. There's five minute, awesome intro opening 45 minutes of nothing. It's not like that. It, it, and they gotcha. spring, he sprinkles in just enough complete insane weirdness along the way that you're like, I'm in, I don't know. You understand what's going on, but, at the, and you have your personal theories, but at the same time, it, it could be anything. And he does a real interesting thing of, maybe this isn't entirely accurate, but it sure feels like every episode he introduces a new character that might have had a motivation to be the killer. So every episode you're questioning who could do it. And along the way, you're learning more about the backstory of Laura Palmer. It is really good. And I cannot believe this shit. I've said it before. Cannot believe this shit aired on network television. It's so bonkers. Back then, especially back, back then, back then we were just so starved for anything. You know, my parents were probably sitting there going, "My kid has been running around all week about this Back to the Future Two trailer. Just take my mind off of things. Give me a, a midget talking backwards. Yes, sure, why not? Because I remember my parents talking about <laughs> Twin Peaks. Can you imagine my parents watching David Lynch? Um, <laughs> wow, and they did not like it. Yet somehow had a review for all of it. Uh, <laughs> um. At any, at any rate, it's now. Are you you're, you're you're planning on watching both seasons, like of the older? Oh, I I I'm more than halfway through season two. Oh, really? so season two, how does that stack up with the first season? The first season, the, the last episode of the first season ends on an even bigger cliffhanger than most of the episodes do. But thank God for Netflix, I can just go right to the next episode and find out, you know, continue the journey. Yeah, and it's great. Season two really starts 
taking it into horror territory. But you know that it ends there, right? And you know this. I'm not sure where the new season picks up. Well, I don't know, but it it sure seems like they're everybody on the internet. The way that I've heard it paints it like we never really know. I no, you know, I know. I I sure feel like I know what happened and who killed her and what what's going on because it, it they're kind of wrapping up investigation and there's still like eight or ten episodes left but it's been pretty clear cut as far as an idea of what is going on it, it's so hard to explain dude it is so hard but i am really looking forward to watching the laser disc of fire walk with me that i've had for a decade and never watched because yeah. <laughs> i've never watched the show does, does so, that come after the show Yes, there's okay. the two seasons of the show, then that movie, and then that's it. And I don't understand why people think there aren't any answers. I mean, you got to connect a few dots on your own, but this isn't like Mulholland Drive, where yeah, what the who the fuck knows what was going on in that movie? Yeah, I mean, you can make some leaps and judgments, but it's not a total dream state Lynch. You gotcha. know, there is a that. Kyle McLaughlin character really grounds it in his FBI investigation. And I'm, I'll tell you what, I, I looked at uh, my little notebook of movies that I have to review to catch up on letterbox and all that jazz. And, uh, I was like, Oh shit, I haven't watched anything, but, uh, 15 episodes of <laughs> twin peaks since our last. Recording. I'm so impressed that you're so, watching it though. I, I, I need to, you really I should. You really should. You would is like it. it. A, yeah, I think you. Is you it one like for it. the wife and I to sit down and enjoy, or new? Um, I don't know. I really don't know. Okay. Um, I I would. Man, that's such that's such a tough thing to say because it it just it has its bits of weirdness, but there's enough grounded FBI investigation all around it that it's just kind of a weird CSI, mm. maybe. It almost plays like a Black Mirror, a really strange episode of oh, Black Mirror. Oh, dude, that like that immediately sells me right there. That's kind of my. I mean, it it doesn't really get horror esque until the first episode of season two, where they kind of show in flashback form Laura Palmer's death, and that then it's like okay, now we're squarely in horror territory. But those are little bits. There, it's not. It doesn't become a solid theme of every episode or something like that. It's not American Horror gotcha. Story. And it's. Uh, I would imagine that uh, on Netflix is probably in HD and looks pretty good. Oh, it looks fantastic. Good. It's the the biggest problem is getting past that hurdle of the very first uh, episode, which uh, the pilot, which is movie length. Okay. Because I watched that and I was like, eh, uh, okay, and then I watched a couple more episodes because I never judge a show on a pilot. Don't ever yeah. do that. People give it more than that. And I, I got hooked real quick because shit gets weird. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and great character actors who went on to be big movie character actors. You, you will notice right away. Uh, anyway, blathered on long enough about that. I'll, I'll be back with my final review of season two probably next episode. And possibly Firewalk Walk With Me. You think you're going to get that watched? Uh, we'll see. I I got to see how season two ends. But okay. I, if I can take a break from Twin Peaks after season two, I will. Because of stuff in coming soon that I will get to later. Okay. All right. Uh, I also re- reviewed Hardcore Henry on the Facebook page today, so you can go read that review. 
And I look forward to giving you that Blu-ray. I think you'll enjoy it. Yes. I, I really struggled giving that movie a C plus. I, I was I changed it from a B minus to a C plus just because how often am I going to rewatch this? But yeah. I had to do that. Just take that with a grain. You definitely should watch this at least once. Okay, because I was going to say your review seemed a bit better than C plus, but I I know, but I, I came back to how often am I going to watch this? Do I want to take Dramamine? Eh. Yeah. <laughs> But I'll tell you this, the third act, gory as all hell. Oh, just, and and deliciously so. Yeah, and it seems like a very unique type movie. I was expecting that one to do better when it was released, but it kind of bombed, if I remember correctly. I, I don't remember. At any rate. Hardcore. That was a $2.50 $2. purchase, correct? <laughs> yep, and it will stay in the collection, just because it's different and weird. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay, uh, last round for you. Tate, do okay. as many as you want. Okay, so let's get this very short review out of the way. Um, closer. From 2007, Jillian uh, Anderson's nipples and a shotgun in the ass. Rubbish. Total rubbish. Closer? What is closer? Total that's, rubbish. That's not the, uh, the okay, that's, so clearly that's not the um, Jude Law, no. Natalie Portman. No, okay. this is Gillian Anderson and uh, the the lead from uh, oh from Severance, uh, the the guy from Severance. They they hook up for some dumb reason, and then she gets raped, and he gets the shit kicked out of him, and gets blinded in an eye, and then they get revenge, and there a lot of her nipples and. Shut. Wait, wait. I mean, you're not you're not dissuading me. There's a lot of naked Gillian Anderson. Yeah, there is. Um, it's oh, this movie was awful. Uh, Eighty minutes of. Poorly written. It was just, that was the problem. It was poorly written and no characters fleshed out other than Julian Anderson's nipples. <laughs> cut cut that. Said, That's, no, uh, I, I don't know. That's pretty much <laughs> intro material right there. <laughs> you oh, said 2007? Yeah, something like that. But, oh man, it was just, it was supposed to be a rape revenge type thing. And I'm like, then they tried to make one of the characters, the rapists, uh, kind of sympathetic and until the shotgun in the eye and the ass, and I'm like, oh, this is bad. <laughs> uh, okay, but anyway, so uh, so I own the Blu-ray. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I look forward to your third round review of this yes, movie. Yes, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, let me know if her nipples improved in acting ability by the third <laughs> round. <laughs> no, I haven't said that. Here's the reason why I bought that Blu-ray. It's actually a Mill Creek triple feature, um, with the case, uh, case 39 and <laughs> <laughs> whatever, uh, Renee Zellweger's diary. Yeah. <laughs> or Catherine, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I said um, the name right. The, uh, the other two, uh, movies on there, uh, the one I have not seen yet, which is a Bruce Willis movie and maybe Halle Berry. It's a called, uh, Color of Night? Sh- no. Um, sh- I don't know. Halle Berry. No, I want to know now. Hold on. Um, damn, what was that thing called? Um, perfect, perfect stranger, maybe. Perfect stranger, like Balky. <laughs> oh no, man! Wow, I, I don't know. That shouldn't be funny, but that's hilarious. Balky Bar Bar Takabus or Bell. Bar fuck of us or something. Bar talk of in us. Yeah. Okay. Uh, focus here. We're already no. derailing. No. Oh, wow. 
Uh, there it is. Perfect Stranger, 2007. Uh, Halle Berry and Bruce Willis. And Giovanni Ribisi's in this. Oh, nice. Uh, but the real reason that I bought this Blu-ray was not for the fact that it was only $7, but for another movie on there called Wind Chill. Have you heard of Wind Chill? No. Uh, from 2007, starring Emily Blunt. Uh, which is, I want to, I don't want to get it wrong here, but it was one of her first movies. I, no, it wasn't. Well, one of her earlier movies. Um, I'll tell you what, that is a gem right there. And totally worth, I would have paid $7 at least just for that movie alone on Blu-ray. That's a cool little movie. She's a college girl and she needs a ride somewhere or other home. And by the way, her character is never given a name in the movie, which is, I cut, I thought kind of interesting. The guy that, uh, basically, okay, so she needs a ride and another college student gives her a ride and we never get his name either, but he's more than a little weird. Uh, Ashton Holmes is his, that's that actor. I've seen him in, oh, he was in, Oh, what was it? History of Violence? Oh, was he the kid in the History of Violence? He was the kid in the History of Violence. Oh, okay. So they're on a road trip, and it's the middle of winter, and he decides to take a quote-unquote shortcut, and which is where all sorts of crazy supernatural shenanigans begin. And uh, that's where it gets really, really good. The first half hour or so is um, I did really didn't like his character and how he was written, but... The second part of the movie and how it's wrapped up, it starts to kind of come together. I don't want to spoil it because you should watch the movie. Uh, it's a creepy, a really good, creepy little ghost movie in the middle of... It's a good movie to watch in the middle of winter. Hence, I watch it in summer. <laughs> oh, it's summer? Because it could have fooled me. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, but it was a cool movie. I liked it. Uh, much more than I thought I would, but I guess why would I buy it? Oh, for case 39, that's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, for some reason, uh, people were talking about Windchill online, like, oh, hey, Mill Creek released this Blu-ray and it's got Windchill on, which is a gem. I'm like, ooh, $7, do I take the gamble? And it did pay off. It did pay off, but closer, good lord. <laughs> <sighs> but seriously, um, I don't know, where I, back to you. Oh, I, but seriously, back <laughs> to me. I think that's just going to be our title right now. But seriously? <laughs> Back to me, question mark? <laughs> seriously? Back to uh, you. Oh, okay. So th- I, I hinted on this movie in the beginning of the show. I, we need to touch on this. And that would be the movie that I watched the last hour of in the morning. And you're going to probably really frown on this one. But I watched Apocalypse Now, most of it, one evening. And um, I it was... Late enough at night where I could tell my old, crinkled old body was, I'm going to fall asleep, and this is too good to fall asleep, so what do I do? I wake up at 6 a.m. and watch the rest of it, which is asinine, because this is not a movie to watch at 6 Why a.m. Why am I going to frown on this? Well, because I watched it at 6 in the morning. It's like oh, I don't shit. give a shit when you watch it. I'm going to frown on it if you're like, this movie sucks. Oh, yeah. No, no. There's a masterpiece. Okay. Masterpiece. There's absolutely no frowning. I don't care if you watch oh. it on your phone, on your <laughs> computer. I don't care what you do. As long as, it, as the review comes back good, I don't give a shit. Wow. I'll tell you what. This movie is – I don't want to compare it to a Stanley Kubrick movie, but damn. Um, there's some Stanley Kubrick going on in here, I felt. Like, watching it, it's almost – 
its own beast. Like, it's a war movie, but there's so much more going on than almost any other war movie. Not almost. Than any other war movie I can think of. I can't think of any other war movie where there is so much more going on than just the mission. Yeah. You know what I mean? uh, You don't have to sell me on it. This is my favorite. Oh, I even hesitate saying favorite war movie of our time because it's kind of twisted to say you have a favorite yeah. war movie because they're so dark and depressing and horrible. But <clears throat> this is my favorite war movie of all time. It's just so singular in its vision. While there's a million things going on, it is just all about him getting up the river on that journey, on that arc to deal with Kurtz. And then when he gets there, it's you almost they take you on this journey that gets you to the mindset of Kurtz in a physical way. Every little thing from don't get out of the boat to how are we going to get past the bridge to the playboy bunnies, the insanity of the, that, that Stanley Kubrick Mickey mouse theme that's right there in the middle of the movie. And then what are you would do next? And that's what happens. You know, it goes where it goes, uh, but damn, uh, I'm fine with you watching the theatrical cut, too. As I said, I would love for you to be very familiar with that cut before you watch the extended director's cut, whatever, because I watched it many times before I went to that cut, so I I recognized every single scene, and there is a lot they added back in. And it only... I I don't think I would have uh, uh, approved of it so much if I wasn't so familiar with the theatrical, because there's this whole diversion to these French people living in the jungle in this like Swiss family Robinson type tree house. And you're like, why are we sitting around wasting 10 minutes having dinner with them? And because they chit chat politics and it feeds into the dread of everything that is going on and the danger around them. And, you know, it worked for me. It doesn't work for everybody, but for me, it did. That one is very split down the middle. There's people that love the director's cut, and then there's others that like, nope, theatrical is perfect. It does not need that more that extra exposition. I'm fine with both. Both are perfect to me, you know. But for somebody that's a hardcore fan of it, the way that I am, because I've watched it so many times, I love the extended cut just because it's just more. It's just more, and I love it. Man, the beginning with the doors and. Oh man, it's so well shot, and the the helicopter scene is still uh, one of the best action scenes uh, because of what what leads up to it, and, and even what follows that whole helicopter attack scene makes that scene so huge yeah. to me. Um, the music that's going on in it, and uh, there, no, there's a million iconic scenes in that movie. That it really there is, it's, yeah. It's, I'm not even exaggerating. Every single one. Okay, the open. You know one of the scenes that really affects me? The opening where he is getting drunk in the hotel room and narrating about the waiting. The waiting and punching yeah. the mirror and whatever. That scene completely changed for me when I found out that it was real. Because he, I did hear that he was pretty drunk, right? Yeah, he got really drunk and started punching a mirror and that was all real blood. Ooh, that's... And then wiping it on his face. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I still haven't watched the documentary Hearts of Darkness. I bought it on VHS. Still haven't watched it yet. <laughs> Coming soon. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but oh, it's amazing. I, that film is uh, Harrison Ford pops in. You yep. know he's full of shit. Never get out of the fucking boat. A tiger. Um, oh, <laughs> Charlie, don't fucking surf. Yeah, so <laughs> many iconic scenes. And the the Playboy Bunny scene. I'm not sure if if you thought. 
the same as I did, but during that scene, that whole scene was just uncomfortable. And Well, in the director's cut, or the redux, or however you want to pronounce it, there's a lot more with the bunnies. Oh, there is? Oh, that's one of the bigger scenes, I think. It goes on and on and on and on, because they're stranded there for a few days because of the rain. Oh. So it goes on, and if you thought it was uncomfortable before... Oh, interesting. Yeah, because even this one, I'm like, oh, it's like, it just, with what came before that scene, and, and I'm like, this is not a titillating scene at all. This is uncomfortable because you know where the movie's going and where it's been. And, ugh. What um, I like about the movie the most, I think that's what, what makes it the best war movie for me, is that you're really getting into the psyche of one soldier trying to do a mission and... That same thing of Private Ryan, where they're on a mission to go do this one thing. But, un, you know, as opposed to uh, uh, Full Metal Jacket or Platoon, where it's like, we're just going to show you the dark shit of war. You know what I mean? It, it, yeah. it failed to build, build character for me, those movies. I just, Platoon, I felt nothing. Yeah, me too. Like, uh, meh. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I know, I see what you're saying. Now, I still had a bit, like, the ending where it gets uh, really crazy uh, with Dennis Hopper and just when, he, when they meet up with, with Kurtz. I'm still, I don't want to say struggling with that scene, all the, that stuff, because I really liked it. But it, that's where it gets really, really, really out there. And so, like, that's my... No, I, that's fine. That's totally fine. Yeah, it, I didn't. I didn't come to grips with that until I watched that movie like six times, and okay, then I kind of understood the the rela- the begin. Hmm, how do I explain this? Uh, the beginning where Harrison Ford is playing him tapes. Yeah, it connects to the end, and it, it, from that point, from if you're saying A to B, those two points, he takes that journey while he goes up the river. And by the t- at first he's like Kurtz is nuts, and then by the time he gets up the river, he's like, "I get it, I fucking get it." Yeah, <sighs> yeah, you're right. At the same time, you have to go down. Yeah, interesting. I, okay. I have to make a choice. I'm either going to completely join you, or I have to kill you. And he makes the choice. Interesting. Yeah, I've, and he he sacrifices himself so readily. It seems that Kurtz does. Oh, and the pain. Suicide by cop. Wow. Hmm. Well, that's uh, this is my interpretation of it. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Because hmm. I've seen the movie now, I think three times. Oh wow. Um, and that's like the first time it was on VHS. Second time it was on probably. I would guess. I don't know. I'm not sure what format, but uh, it, it's it's so good. So. Well. Uh, when it's still fresh in your mind, the theatrical cut, I want you to go to the extended one, but not until you're ready. If, okay. if Take your time. Okay. But uh, it's definitely crawled up the list of best of, or the quality war movies out, out there. This is right up there with the best of the best. Awesome. Well, that that's all I expect. That's all I'm, that I need to make me happy. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's wrap this shit up. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not to end on a war movie note, but... Uh, yeah, like, oh, I was happy. Yeah, blood and guts and depressing Vietnam and... Coming soon. We've got some good coming soon, I think. Okay. <laughs> All right. Coming soon for me, Twin Peaks Season 2. 
Uh, and a lot of TV, unfortunately for Eugene, because Netflix just added the new seasons of Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, and F is for Family. Have you watched any of F is for Family? That's uh, an animated show, correct? It's an animated show with Bill Burr. Oh, you've talked about... did you say that uh, the first couple seasons or whatever almost went... Too, I don't want to say went too far, but like was... Like, this is season two, so this uh, there's only been one season. Now is the time to get on board because I know you. When there's five seasons out there, you will not watch the shit. I won't, you have to no, start. I won't. You have you have to start early. I already told you. Get, and and the first season only has I don't know nine or ten episodes or something. It's it's not a lot, but it is awesome. I can't wait to start watching season two. But I'm not going to watch any of the shit until I finish Twin Peaks. Then it will be the Flash. Supergirl, Arrow, etc. on down the line. But I will be watching all four of those shows. When am I going to squeeze in some movies? Uh, every Thursday when my reviews do, I guess. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, but I want to watch this shit more than anything else that's coming out on Netflix. I will say, Twin Peaks, I, I am right on board for that stuff. I am. That's great treadmill material for yeah, you. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to be checking that out. Especially with your review. I'm like, okay, I need, I need to... Get on that train. It's only two seasons. That's that, that's why it's easy to sell to you. It's only two. It's yeah. not that much. Well, two point five. There's a, the new season is is currently going. Yeah, but at, at worst, you're looking at two seasons, a movie, and then one more season. Yeah, but it's David Lynch, and he has vowed that he's never making another movie again. So, do you believe that? Do you really? I mean, I that's... don't care. He's so fucking weird. Who gives a shit? And and. <laughs> I don't have a problem saying that because the, the Inland Empire, oh, so bad. My God, if if that's where you're going, Lynch, I I don't have a problem with you quitting. I don't want to say I shouldn't say that. Well, that you uh, yeah. After your review, I never watched that uh, because of your yeah. Oh, I'd love to hear your review of it because it's like three hours of nothing, with with like. 45 minutes of uh, amazing in there, but it, nowhere near worth the price uh, of admission or time. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. Hey, ladies and gents, if you enjoyed Endland Empire, please write us. Let me know why. Convince Eugene to watch it. Okay, coming yeah. soon for you. Okay, coming soon for me is uh, two batches of Blu-rays because it was Memorial Day weekend and my little niche... Companies, they like to have huge sales. So, Vinegar Syndrome had a big sale. Renee Zellweger, a thong. Oh, her and her chipmunk cheeks and uh, looking all mopey and crying all over my hard-earned dollar. Um, so, <laughs> so, first up is Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, three different movies that I purchased heading my way. First up is a movie called Raw Force. Um, something about... Why does that sound familiar? Uh, it's, it's got a huge cult following. It's the early 80s action something, kung fu, insanity. Maybe Car- uh, David Carradine might be in it, or John Carradine, or one of the Carradine guys! <laughs> Raw Force, There's a folks. big difference between John and David. There is, there is. Have you heard of... So, have you heard of... I kind of feel like I have. I'm, I'll, I'll look it up here, but carry on. Okay. Um... Okay, Raw Force. Next up is a movie called The Hearse, uh, which is about a hopefully haunted hearse, I'm hoping, um, from the early 80s. And last but not least is a movie called Sweet Sugar, which, yeah. Um, 
Yep, sweet sugar. Uh, limited edition, of course. So, hey, oh, maybe you like it. Um, I'm not. I'm, it I'm not seeing any Carradine and Raw Force. Oh, they're who's in it? Cameron Mitchell, Camille Keaton. Nobody. I, I haven't heard of any of these people. But good lord, that cover! I mean, come on. The VHS a, cover? Oh, I'm looking on IMDb, and the cover is like I'm looking at. I'm a looking Kung at Fu a, guy. A, uh, Raw Force, aka Kung Fu Cannibals. Oh dear lord! I hope. <laughs> From 1982, <laughs> Horrorpedia. Yes. Yeah. Yep, Invaders of the Jade Tombs. Um, Can't imagine why you like it, Kung Fu Cannibals, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Um, okay, Vinegar Syndrome. That was their three movies that I got from them. And also, Full Moon did a sale on some of their quality entertainment. And uh, you know what? I am not sure what I ordered it. I ordered them when I had drank too much. So I'm getting three Blu-rays from Full Moon, and that's all for me. I'm done. <laughs> Fantastic. I can't wait. I can't wait to see what those movies are. I literally cannot tell you. I go over three Blu-rays, and I cannot tell you what any of them are. Wait. No, I can't. I, no, I'm good. <laughs> Kung Fu Cannibals, the two, three, five, and six. <laughs> Starring Chip yeah. Monkeys. Done. Right. Bye. See ya. <laughs>